You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. It is your host, Michael Kushner. I am so excited for this episode. I have an amazing guest, but before we get to him, I'm going to just plug my, I'm calling it a talk show. You know, I like to say it's the new Rosie O'Donnell show, just because, you know, I have high expectations for myself, but I have a new show with the Broadway Podcast Network. It's where you get to see my gorgeous face my Russian Jewish bone structure. Uh, it's called My Broadway Memory with my co-host Brian Sedita. Basically what we do is we pull a playbill from our collections and we talk about those memories associated. Just because Broadway is shut down right now doesn't mean that the memories have to be. So we pull a playbill from our collection, talk about what it was like going to see that show that day, any understudies, what the headshots were like, what were the ads in the playbill, uh, how we got our tickets was a surprise. I mean, there's so many stories. But what's amazing is that we have guests come on. We've had Alice Ripley, Jen Damiano. We've had Joan Marcus and Brittany Johnson. And we've had Dee Rossioli and Jackie Burns. I mean, the list goes on and on. And our guests are amazing. And you will love the show. And you could be a part of it as well by posting a video of you going through your playbills and picking one at random and telling that story and posting it on Instagram with the hashtag my Broadway memory and tag us and we'll take that video and put it on air. It's so much fun. And I can't wait to see you every Thursday live 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at bpn.fm forward slash my Broadway memory live. It's a gas. And speaking of a gas, I know my next guest is an absolute gas. I mean, you have seen him Oh, God, I've seen him everywhere. You've seen him in Something Rotten. He was Tony nominee. He was nominated for Tony for Something Rotten. Big Fish. Nice work if you can get it. The Adams Family spam a lot. He had a Tony nom for The Producers, which I can't wait to ask him about. And Jekyll and Hyde as well. And Aspects of Love was, was his Broadway debut. I mean, we have the incomparable, the amazing, one of my inspirations, Brad Oscar. Hi. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I, it's, I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I'm the guest of, of things and they have like an inter, an introduction for me, I'm kind of like, oh, I did that. Yeah. Oh my God. I did do that. I, yeah. I forgot about that. I should talk about that more often. I don't know if that's how it feels when you hear the things that are listed back to you, but 
It's, well, I mean, it's just, you know what, I'm still sometimes amazed and so grateful because, uh, you know, it's what I always dreamt of when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, to be doing what I'm doing and, and uh, yeah, so when I hear all that, I'm like, oh, my God, that's, my God, I've made a career of this. And it's um, quite, it's quite an yeah, amazing career. Very, very, and very yes, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. Yeah. And I've followed you for so many years. One, I'm a huge, and this is, you know, we have a very good mutual friend and that's Jordan Silver. And um, we're both obsessed with Jekyll and Hyde, so <laughs> which I, I love, which I love. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I, not. But as we were talking about, you know, these emotional, your these emotional attachments we have to to shows, and and the whole idea of your your Playbill show, which I love because you know, my God, I was an avid collector. You know, I have so many Playbills. Um, and uh, but anyway, uh, shows that are touchstones and uh, our mutual friend Jordan, yeah, was you know of that age when he was just starting to really get turned on you know, to live theater, musical theater, much less that story. Cause he loved all that spooky stuff too. But, um, right. anyway, my point being, I love the fact that that show means so much to him, uh, and how special that is to me having known this kid since he was born. So, you know, and someone I love so much. And so that's very special to me to have been a part of something, you know, and, and of course it means it because he would come backstage, he'd come to see the show. He saw it several times, you know, it's, it's what's so special. It's about what we do. Yeah. <laughs> When I first met him, he was in eighth grade, and I remember the first conversation we were having, and we were we were um, comparing the different um, Jekyll and Hyde's. We were, you know, it was, yeah. you know, and I was like, "Who is this eighth grader?" And then what happened was he wound up auditioning for my school, Ithaca, mm -hmm. and it worked out perfectly that I you know, if he were to get in, I would be his senior to his freshman and uh -huh. he got in and he became uh -huh. my little. It's fabulous. That's I great. know it's amazing. Yeah, and that's, great. and that's the, that's the theater. It's all, it's full circle. It's about relationship and, you know, yeah. Um, but it's now speaking of relationship, the, you know, I have such an amazing memory when I was at the St. James theater in 2005, I saw you do the producers. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. it was you, Hunter mm -hmm. Foster, mm -hmm. Jonathan Freeman, Brooks. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Angie. I mean, yeah. what a cast. Yeah. No, there were some great, um, you know, the, the, the show was such an extraordinary ride for me because I did it so much in so many different places and with so many different people. But um, but yeah, you talk about that, that grouping of people at that point in the Broadway run, which was actually the end of my broadway run with with uh, producers after i left later in 2005 i left to go do a show in dc where i met my husband which is crazy beshert but anyway um that was the I, end of my yeah so yes i love that, that you just said beshert and our dog's name is beshert we call him baz for short because share is too gay so we call him baz but uh yeah my husband is a better jew than i am sometimes and he's not jewish but um but anyway my i wish you could see my face right now i wish you could see my face my jaw is absolutely dropped it's amazing because i think i mentioned beshert in every single episode you yeah, know what oh, i mean because i'm a huge word it's a great word. It's a great word. It, yeah. it sounds like what it means. It's That's what yeah, an onomatopoeia exactly. is, right? Although, you know, I didn't know until our wedding vows 
that Bashert also meant soulmate, that it could be a noun in that way. I always thought it meant just meant to be, serendipitous, but uh, someone can be your Bashert, which I did not know until literally he said it to me during our wedding vows in front of all of our guests. And of course, I was a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, because, you know, he loved the Yiddish words that he learned when we started seeing each other. Anyway, we're, are we getting off topic here? No, um, that's what this podcast is about. Oh, good. That's wonderful. <laughs> See, we can just, exactly. This isn't like my four minutes on New York One or something. <laughs> no, no, it's not. This is your 30 minutes on a podcast that just talks and talks. Um, it's also hosted it, by a Jewish boy. So it's exactly. like, you know, so, there are so many yeah. windows open that never get closed. Exactly. No, I love it. Please. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that force, you know, Hunter and Brooks and Jonathan Freeman. I mean, again, people who are just at the top of their game when it was, you know, when it comes to certainly this style, this kind of comedy and, you know, how lucky I was. Um, and then to have worked with Brooks again, uh, in yeah. Rotten, you know, because I just, I, I admire Brooks so much. I, because, you know, to know the, Bro you know, Brooks as a, as a person, he's so crazy and so talented and so funny and just, but the heart Brooks's heart and Brooks's love of what we do and musical theater in general and, you know, the passion that all of us musical theater kids still carry and burn bright and it, it informs what we do. And it's why Brooks is so good at what he does, why so many of these people we talk about, because that love and that passion that, that exceeds and, and has nothing to do with necessarily ability or style or this or that, it's a, it's a thing. And uh, so to yeah. be on stage with those guys every night doing that show, and again, when you have material like that, uh, you don't have to work to make it work, baby. You just go out no, there. No, honey, you don't. You know, you play it, and it just, boy, it was. Uh, no, again, it was. In, it was a, a very, very special experience, and it always, you know, nothing makes me happier than hearing, you know, people say that was one of my first experiences. Or that's something that always stuck with me, or blah blah blah. You know, especially when that first year when I was just the understudy, when I was playing Franz, and not just the understudy, but I was playing Franz, and Nathan mm -hmm. would be out, and I would go on. And that first year was crazy. People were dying to see that show and to see Nathan and Matthew in that show, understandably yeah. so. Um, so uh, it was, uh, you know, that was a, a wild and remarkable opportunity in that respect. But, but yeah, it was, uh, uh, it's great to, to, when people say to me, you know, that was my first Broadway show or whatever, are you really, you know, and they remember me specifically because I grew up seeing those shows and whenever I would see an understudy, you know, and I knew that I wasn't seeing the star, um, I knew that understudy's name for the rest of my life. I can still tell you who yes. I saw, you know, John Hamill went on for Robert Klein and, and, you know, wow. and, Judy Kay, and Judy Kay went on for Madeline. Madeline? Yeah. There I saw it like the week after Madeline left or something. And so, Oof. um, Judy Kay has been an icon of mine. And then to work with her in these past years to get to work with her a couple of wow. times, you know, pinch me. Did but, you, yeah. did you read Madeline's, the biography that came out of Madeline in like 2015? No, I did not read it it's like um it's really dense it's like 350 pages and it's like super dense it's like you're reading les mis or something but it really does key you in to her life and like why mm -hmm. she was so special and like you know her her i had a really you know really interesting um introduction to that uh uh book because i was i was in i was with randy skinner at an event and he was like, how are you doing? I'd been in for him a few times and I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I just, you know, I was, you know, two years into the city. I was young mm -hmm. and unafraid like Fontaine. And so, um, I 
just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I just, I'm figuring out what, what I want. And he was like, well, what do you want? Whose career do you want? And I was like, I want like a combination of Mel Brooks and Madeline Kahn's career. And he was like, well, have you read, the, have you done your research and have you read the book that just came mm-hmm. out? And I was like, no. And you mm-hmm. know, I put my tail between my legs and I ordered it off of Amazon and it was an amazing read because there, I learned so many things like about the upstairs or the downstairs. And now that made sense when Lily Tomlin gave, um, gave Madeline Kahn the, uh, you know, presented her Tony for Sisters mm-hmm. Rose and Swag, you know, she goes, and this is going out to my friend who got me my first job at the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the upstairs at the downstairs, Madeline Kahn. And then when I watched that, I was like, oh, that's, that's okay. I understand what right. all that means and the weight that that has. Right. So right. it's quite an, right. ama- I love that you have that experience because I would die, right. I would die to go back in time and see, I, I know you said Judy K, but I would love to see Madeline right. do anything, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, of course she was taken and I did see her in sisters. Mm-hmm. Rose and, and uh, yeah. And she was terrific. And so especially I was watching high anxiety yesterday on TV oh, yeah. and it's like, you know, I was talking to my Diego and I was saying it's, it's, it's not, she's just funny because of just, she just lives there. She doesn't, she takes lines that are not funny. The lines aren't funny. The words by themselves are not funny, but she puts it together and behind it is whatever, you know, usually manic, you sometimes just a little on the, you know, some of her best work always. What's up doc. Yeah. She's extraordinary. Yeah. What's up doc. Oh my God. That movie is extraordinary. Fantastic. Um, a lot of people are very good in that movie and it's funny as all, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but she was, you know, look, she was, you know, there are people who are just special. They're unique. They, they are, uh, otherworldly in that way, in a great way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She was known, she was known after she would do something and people would be laughing. She was known to go, why are they laughing? Yeah. Which breaks (laughs) my heart, you know? Yeah, well, right. sure. I mean, yes, I guess, I guess. I mean, yes, you have to. I, 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 I sometimes think, you know, geniuses, people who are maybe that, uh, that they, yeah, they live in a slightly different world or a slightly different place where, you know, so we're all thinking you're just brilliant. That's hilarious. You're, you're making, you know, and she's like, why are they laughing? You know, there is yeah. a slight disconnect there. But yes, fascinating nonetheless. And, you know, I mean, like all the great divas, maybe who are hard to work with, or why are they so why are they such monsters? These people we hear about? Why was Jerome Robbins such a monster, supposedly, you know, well, we probably wouldn't have had the output, you know, he would not have given us what he gave us had he been the nicest guy in the room, maybe, you know, I don't know, it's no excuse for being an asshole or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? I think sometimes really talented people, excuse me, are eccentric. In, in different ways, whatever that means, you know? And um, yeah, I wish I were a little crazier. <laughs> I know, right? Me too. Well, I am. So, well, you know, it's interesting. Communication, it's very interesting. My, you know, I have a, I have a Goyam boyfriend and he, um, you know, he yells at me sometimes because some of the things that I'm saying, he, he's like, don't yell at me, don't yell at me. And I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> You know, but it's because I think in the Jewish, in the Jewish religion and Jewish culture, we get very passionate. And sometimes it can be, no, I don't want this. Put it over there. I said on the table, I'm not mad at you. Stop. (laughs) Yes. And so I refuse to believe that Jerry, you know, Jerry Robbins was, um, was, was a mean guy. I'm just going to say he was passionate, (laughs) but 
Um, so, okay. So a Beshert moment, right. Is would be like this. Like I saw you do, um, the producers and, you know, you've always been one of my favorite performers and inspirations. And that night, you know, Jonathan Freeman, I've loved Jonathan Freeman since I was like three years old, you know, Jafar, mm. it doesn't get any better yeah. than that. Um, yeah. I mean, if you really listen to Jafar, the voice of like his voice is Jafar. The choices mm-hmm. that he makes are mm-hmm. so like otherworldly. They're they're yeah. so cool. And yeah. me who love who just loves shit yeah. like that, yeah, was so drawn to that. I was so drawn to that voice, to that you know grandeur, and yeah. seeing them him do the you know Roger Debris. So I stage doored it because I was you know fourteen, and um. I staged toward it and I was like, I, lo- I love you a lot. And I, I guess I was very sincere because he goes, you know, what's your address? And I wrote on this pink post-it note, um, my address. And two weeks later, a giant mm-hmm. Jafar mm-hmm. care package showed up at my door in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, well, for what it's it worth, pre- my friend, we got the same care package. I worship, <laughs> I worship Jafar. I'm a big Disney villains fan. And but yeah, but again, that says everything you need to know, you know, about Jonathan as far as that generosity and spirit and, and you know, making a connection, obviously with a fan, which, you know, could be dodgy, right? People don't often reach out right. like that. It's not dodgy, but you know what I mean? It's just, it takes, it takes work. It's extra, whatever. But I love to hear yeah. that. I love to hear yeah. that. And yeah. Oh, and I with- have, oh, yeah. He, he gave me a, a like a, a, a lith, a print or whatever that he signed, oh. you know, a guitar thing, because I just... You know, I still, and I was watching it just a couple of weeks ago with my goddaughter. We were we were all together, quarantined together for about two months upstate, um, uh, and uh, and we watched uh, Aladdin again. And I hadn't seen it in years, so yeah, there I am watching it. You know, again a year and just listening to, and it's delicious. He's, you know, he's just everything, right? Like you said, every the, the phraseology, the choice of, you know, uh, to to voice an animated character as we know is is tricky enough in its own right or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's amazing. It's fabulous. And I, I was a huge fan of Jonathan. And that's why when I found out yeah. that he was coming into the show, I was like a kid. I mean, literally like a kid, you know, especially because, yeah. oh my God, it's Jafar. And now, and then the fact that he actually got to do it live on stage and still, well, God willing, when they come back. I know. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Well, um, you know, one of my favorite moments that he, I mean, talking about the musicality that he has in that voice. It's like one of my favorite moments that I, that I love to talk about is the choice he makes when he goes, um, when he's in disguise, uh, at the cave of wonders and he's, and he's, you know, he's, uh, he's holding Aladdin as he's falling and he goes, you know, and now your reward and then goes down and goes your eternal reward. And it's just (laughs) so brilliant. It's this, you know, he uses his, I mean, I thought he was English. I saw the first time I remember seeing Jonathan on stage was in that She Loves Me revival that he got a Tony nomination for uh, in the, what, mid-early 90s, I think, right? Yes, Um, yes. So, yeah, and he's the waiter, and, of course, he's hilarious and brilliant and doing the whole thing. And I'm like, my God, who is this English guy I've never seen before? Uh, Or at least at that point, I didn't really know who Jonathan was. Anyway, come to find out years later, of course, he's not English at all, blah, blah, blah. Um, From Ohio. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah. But that voice, come on, that's a that's a gift from God. And then, which is why his Jonathan Debris, uh, his his Roger <laughs> Debris. See, there you go. There's a Freudian yeah. slip. 
Yeah, this Rocky Three was so delicious because you had again those lines coming out of that mouth with that turn of phrase, that sense of humor. So no, he was yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it was amazing. It's it's funny that we're talking about this today because um, the South Florida Cappy Awards, um, the you know, like the Tonys for high school mm-hmm. kids down in Florida yeah. is tonight. And I'm um, presenting for best comic actor in a musical, which is what I won for for my performance of Roger Debris and the producers my ah, senior year. I love it. That's and you better cool. believe that I put I did. I did my best because, you know, at high school, I was, I was so impressionable. Sure. I did my best Jonathan Freeman yeah. as, as Roger Debris yeah, <laughs> in that production. That's fabulous. That's um, fabulous. So, okay. So I feel I just have so many questions for you now when, um, I, it's so funny. I was like doing my research just to make sure I didn't miss anything about you. And, um, your Broadway debut was aspects of love. Yes. How did that happen? Where did you come from? What What's that story? Because it just, it seems like it just shot out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, bam, you're on Broadway. Bam, I'm on Broadway. I mean, sort of. Um, I uh, I graduated from Boston University in 86 and I moved to the city okay. and I started waiting tables. Very traditional. Started waiting tables at a restaurant called Charlie's on 45th Street, yes. which was exactly the uh, Joe Allen's total layout flipped. Uh, it was like Joe Allen's little brother, although the restaurants were not associated with each other at all. But uh, it was there next to Barrymore's and Pulio's, an old stretch of 45th Street. And anyone uh-huh. who's listening to this now is of a certain age will go, oh, Charlie's, Barrymore's, oh, McHale's. Anyway. Um, My mother. So I waited tables. Of course, your mother. So I was waiting <laughs> tables. And auditioning, you know, literally doing the thing. And and I did get my first equity gig. I was able to buy into equity because I was a member of After and SAG. I had done TV and film work in DC as a kid. So at that point, you were able to buy into equity. And I thought, well, I'm going to do that because then I can start going to these EPAs, to all these open calls and chorus calls and all that stuff. So why not? Right. So I did. And I did. I started going to all these open calls and I literally got aspects of love from an open call. I had done my first equity contract the year before in Worcester, Massachusetts, a production of Tom Foolery, the review of uh, Tom Lehrer's music. And Uh I had done that. That was my first equity contract. But um, yeah. And then I I went to the open call. Uh, I had a callback. I did a monologue for Trevor Nunn. They wanted a monologue, which was so bizarre because, you know, you rarely do monologues for auditions anymore. Even then, you didn't. You did them more as like, you know, work and school and whatever. Right. So I happened to have this very funny monologue from a play I had done a reading of that I don't know if it ever got produced, but I had done a reading of it and I thought this is very funny and it'll serve me well. And, and they loved it. And, and, uh, and I believe that's what sort of got me the job. I feel like, because, you know, look, being a swing in the original cast of aspects of covering the ensemble of aspects of love was not the biggest challenge in the world. It was more of a, you know, as we know, it's it, it, it's being done now and should be done really as a, what, eight-person show or something. Right. <laughs> but at the time, you know, it needed to be bigger. It needed to follow Phantom. It was his first musical on Broadway after Phantom. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, I was cast as a swing uh, covering the, you know, me- men in the ensemble and um, Walter Charles, who played the role of Marcel. Um, so yeah. But from an open call. So crazy. I went from waiting tables on 45th to, you know, walking through that stage door at the Broadhurst. 
Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Was now, amazing. Just because um, I have a lot of like younger. Like uh, artists that listen to this, like college age, and yeah. we're making the transition from graduation to uh, to the city. Now, how, were you like, "Oh, I'm good, I'm golden"? Where there was, yeah. um, like, what was what was your thought process in that moment? Because that's like every person's dream is to like go to an. E- that's why we go to the EPAs, right? Is right. to Sure, sure. Book well, I mean, it was, I mean, look, I mean, it was a, it was the most exciting thing that had ever happened to me, certainly in many ways, personally, professionally. I mean, my God, I got my first Broadway show. It was everything I ever dreamed right. of. Right. Um, that being said, I don't ever, I, I, you know, I'm realistic enough in what show business is and how it works. I think I never felt like, I don't remember at the time thinking, well, now I've, I'm set because I knew I'd, I'd, I knew enough people. I waited tables at that restaurant, Charlie's were, which was a lot of actors and theater folk. So I knew what it meant to your show was running, your show closed, you're out of work. I knew what that yeah. meant. I knew what it meant before I even moved to New York. I mean, you know, we know those things. So anyway, and as a character actor as well, I felt like my better years were probably going to, you know, as I got older or whatever. So no, I can't say I ever felt like, uh, or I ever thought, okay, I'm set now. I've got my first Broadway show, so the rest are just going to come along, and I'm going to keep working for the rest of my life. Never. Yeah. No. You know, I mean, people, I remember when the producers opened and I got the Tony nomination, <clears throat> and people were like, well, you're set now. I mean, you got a Tony nomination. You're you're set. And I'm like, yeah. you don't really understand show business, uh, because, no, I'm not set. I'm, I got a great gig. I got this wonderful recognition. It will, it's helped, my God, what it's done for me just being in the pool that's all. You're just in the pool. You're in the concentric circles, ideally going toward the bullseye, but you just want to be people to know who you are. So you get some auditions or maybe people offer you a role because they're like, oh, I love Brad or whatever. You know, all that's amazing and, and, and gravy. But no, uh, the thought that one ever has it made in show business, I think there are only a few of us who can really sit back and say, you know, and, and what does that mean anyway? Are we talking financially? Are we talking what you think other people think of you? There's so many mm-hmm. definitions of that, I guess. So no, I don't think any of that will ever, I don't ever want to be satisfied in that way. I'd love to have a lot more money and have this and that, of course, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the reality is I wanted to be a working actor and I have been so, you know, amazingly blessed to continue to work and not just work, but be a part of some very special projects. And, you know, in an industry and in a town, especially on a, you know, in a 10, 20 block radius here that I just love so much and and grew up just you know again fascinated by and 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 dreaming of so 
you know, that's all good. But but no, I think any actor who thinks they're set uh, is probably, you know, you know, set up for disappointment. So you just, uh, you do the best you can and you, you know, you the one thing I wish I'd learned earlier, I guess, was to just embrace all of who I am and all of what I bring to a role or a choice in an audition or whatever and not question that. Because that's what they want to, because that ultimately is what's going to serve you. You know, there's another guy, you know, right next to me who's got that other thing that they want, maybe that I'll never have, but I've got everything I've got. So, you know, I've tried to, you know, and that's nice because getting, you know, the kind of uh, um, acknowledgement, if you will, as far as getting roles and doing roles and being able to continue to work enables me to trust that more, even when I'm still totally like, how am I going to do this? I'm going to suck. You know, I try to convince myself, no, just, just do, just commit to it. They gave you the role, you got the role or whatever it is, just, you know, whatever. And that's all you can control. So why not give it all you got, you know, and it's easier said than done. Believe me still, but you know, anyway, all right. Time out. No, that's, no, that's beautiful. I was like, I was like, wow, I'm getting, I'm getting the masterclass that I needed today. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the, the, the irony is I think it's all such simple stuff and we do hear it and we are told it and blah, blah, blah. But I think that there's, you know, a lot of stuff that you can only learn from getting older. You can hear it a million yeah. times, but you can only learn it from, because when you're at a certain age and you're in a certain peer group, especially in show business, you know, you're concerned about different things that I don't have to worry about right now. So it's easy for me to say, you know, be yourself or whatever. And yourself might be the person who, you know, doesn't want to look, doesn't want to do this or do that or whatever. But in order for you to get into that or get that gig, maybe you need to conform a little more. So I know it's easy for me to speak in absolutes, but, yes. um, but yeah, but I, you know, but again, the idea that you, there's only one you. And so, that's all you can bring to the table. So, you know, yes, do the you that's going to maybe fit into that project because that that's the, the kind of you they need, but still, you know, try to be true to yourself and don't give yourself a hard time when, when it's not you, it's not, you know, it's not your turn. It's not your thing. It's not you. I, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. That's out of your control. The only thing you can control again is what you throw out there to them. I you wish know. See, that's the thing. That's why I became a, a multi-hyphenate, right? That's why I was like, right. okay, well, well, you know, it's really interesting, Brad. It's like, I f you know, I'm a character actor as well, but I just feel like if, you know, just like what you said, you know, the, if it's you, then it's you. Right. Um, you have, you have all the things, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I personally wasn't finding the projects that were allowing myself to fully be me or they weren't writing for me. Like it's right. like everything it's perfect in the breakdown. And then they want like a high D rock tenor and mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, okay, mm -hmm. that's not me or, or, you know, they need, um, some, it's just, you know, something throws a wrench in the plans and it's like, yeah. well, you know, it made me go back to the drawing board and go, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Is it to right. just, is it to just, be on stage no i love i love every aspect of the theater right. and there are th there are ones that i love more than others i mean i will always be an actor and i will always be in search for the things that um you know suit me and that i suit the playwright's intention and and the idea and they will they will always be happening they will come 
Um, but, uh, I have to figure out things that I'm, that are going to keep me moving and keep my name right. out there while, you know, that's why, you know, 50, uh, 54 celebrates Mel Brooks is really important right. to me. Um, and that's what we worked on together. And, right. um, obviously it was so thrilled that you were there doing, you know, singing blazing saddles. It was a show stopping right. moment. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was very passionate about it. It was, you know, I, when people ask me what I do, I'm like, I do Mel Brooks. That's like what I do. Mm-hmm, and right. um, I was like, well, you know what, Michael, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? So I produced that night, came up with that night and right. was like, I'll put myself in a number where I feel like I'm comfortable enough. Like I'm not going to draw the attention away from the intention of the show. And the intention of the show is not to be like, okay, this is a night where I'm going to prove to everyone what I know. It's to celebrate right. Mel Brooks. Exactly. Um, so I, I was like, I'll put myself in a number because that's, you know, what I do. And I've been, you know, really saying that and we're going to celebrate Mel and I'm going to make this night really exciting and amazing. So I was able to put together multi- my multiple proficiencies into this amazing night i mean first of all we sold out both shows and then the um the streaming of it at 54 was the highest attended stream oh really yeah it was huge it was huge huge night so you know i don't think that's the end of that show you know it was a really good it was a good night i hope you had fun Oh, I did. I had a great time. And, and, and again, you know, seeing all those people and you brought together such great people and, and, uh, and, you know, that material to, to hear his material, you know, we take for granted sometimes, you know, just the films, but without the songs, you know, again, right. I watched, I watched high anxiety yesterday and that yeah. number is fabulous. It's a great oh, yeah. song. He's hilarious. It's hilarious. And no one ever, you know, does it in that way. You know, we don't have the opportunity, right? Unless you use it as an audition song or something, or you do it in your club act. Um, yeah, yeah. That, to put he, all that material he, together and celebrate him is uh, is wonderful. And you know, he was so thrilled with it. My God, it was wonderful. That makes I I hope he was thrilled with it. I I hope I hope. And I heard know, he was. It's I heard a, he was. I only heard he was. But yeah. Did you really? Yeah, I heard he. Yes. Didn't you? I thought no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> no i didn't did i send that email no <laughs> well i guess not <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like something i would send though as a producer he was thrilled it was great it was perfect he loves it we're going to broadway ah exactly you know, one of my favorite moments of that night was actually before the show started um because Vianne Cox, who I've worked with uh, on a web series, and I'm a huge fan of her and love her, she, um, you know, was not feeling very well that night and at soundcheck um, was not sure that she could do the number. And right. I very patiently and calmly worked with her to where she felt mm-hmm. comfortable doing it and it fit the story. And it was like one of those moments where yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm here. Um, there's, and there's, and I, and I didn't get, I didn't get this moment from a casting director. I got this moment because of me. Right. Sure. You know, sure. and yeah, and, and that's producer because she was, and honestly, I know the, the, the recording that we watched the other night was from the second show, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was from the second show. 
Yeah, I um, and she was hilarious, but I think she was even funnier in the first show. Do you remember was, the first show? Yeah, yeah. Because it was gold. Do you, do you remember the first show? No, because do you remember the first show. You remember the first because I blacked out after the opening <laughs> number. No, because um, yeah, it was. It was. It was I did before, honestly. In, she was a mess. You're right. She was so nervous. And I've known this girl for years and I worship her. I think, again, you talk about, you know, funny and, and organic comedy, but also yeah. a really good actor. Because more importantly, oh, yeah. at the end of the day, well, you got to be a good actor. No matter how good a singer you are, how fun, you know, she really is a, a the whole package. But she was very, very anxious. And it made the first performance, I thought, absolutely hilarious in a much more dangerous random way because i think oh, yeah. she knew she'd gotten through it now i don't mean to diss what people saw because it was brilliant but it was funny because i uh uh i remember that first performance uh and it, it just she was yeah she was terrific but you she did good so you got her and, through it and it was, you know it's the worst thing in the world don't you hate that that's what i hate about what we do is that you're dependent on your body and your voice and there are you know so many you know, times when it's just like, oh shit, it's tonight. My voice is just, you know, I'm not there or whatever. You have to call out and all that. I hate that we're so dependent on, you know, the body that way. It's what we do, but oh yeah, yeah. Have you had moments like that before where you've just had to? Oh my god, like- moments. I've had weeks. I, I used to <laughs> when I was playing Max, um, both on broad, well, both on Broadway and on the tour, and and uh, I don't and think the porta potty players. Play. Exactly. And in London too, but I don't think I ever got sick in London because I was only in London for three months with it, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, no, when I was playing Max full-time, eight shows a week, I, when I would go down, whether it was because I got a cold or I got sick or I just, my body said time out, I was literally off for like a week. I would literally have to, I, it just wouldn't, you know, my body was just like time out. You have to listen in cases like that. So, yeah, I've always had, um, you know, th- you just always have things you have to deal with because, you know, it's life and it's th- the way we live. And, you know, backstage, it's like a little Petri. It's a gay care center, as I like to call it. It's like a Petri dish. You know, <laughs> and it's, you know we're sharing whatever's going around. I hope that the one interesting good thing that may come of this whole thing is maybe we won't get as many colds and shit like that because we'll be more aware of washing our hands and not touching our faces just during cold season, not even, you know, God forbid, a, a thing that can kill us. But because um, that's what I hate the most when I'm doing a show, because when I'm in the and I'm in the groove and I'm in the pocket, you know, physically, vocally. You know, I'm good. I'm healthy. I know how to sing. Yeah. I've taken enough oh, lessons. Yeah, you do. I've done it long enough. <clears throat> you know, excuse me. I can be very, uh, you know, my, my body's pretty strong. God bless when I get into the groove of it, muscle memory and all that. The minute something comes into play, right, physically or vocally especially, um, yeah, there's nothing, you know, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Has there yeah. ever been a moment in your career where you – you got really you got nervous and you were like i don't know if i could do that i don't know if i could do this uh well let's put it this way there were there were two performances of the producers where i left at intermission they saw a different max biala stock in act two and usually it was the guy they had just seen playing franz in act one very funny 
the whole thing happened with me covering Max off in the front, <gasps> which is crazy because you never have another principal cover a principal usually. But 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 it's all my fault. In this case, sometimes they did. <laughs> so so dear Bill Nolte, <clears throat> excuse me. I know Bill Nolte in Boston. Second national tour opened in Boston, and we spent the summer in Boston. And I and that wasn't because this is interesting. That wasn't because I was sick going into the show. Right. I started to just get very short of breath and woozy toward the end of act one. And I uh -huh. thought I was going to collapse at the top of a long came the alley, which is the final number in act one. Right. But I got through it. I was never in any pain. I was just, and I don't know if it was to this day, cause I went to the hospital. I stayed overnight. They did all the tests. I was fine. Nothing. So I don't know if it was like a panic attack, a stress thing, uh, I, you know, to this day, I really don't know exactly what happened. And then there was a performance in New York where vocally I thought I was better. I thought I was ready to come back. I warmed up in the shower. I felt good. But man, and it always happens too. You get on stage, the adrenaline, whatever it is, it's different. I could sing the hell out of the whole show in the shower, but man, I got on stage. And by the end of Act One, I had nothing. I had nothing. And I think that was a. Is that John Tracy Egan who went on for act two? I'm trying to remember. But anyway, God bless those boys. But um, yeah, I just had to. What are you going to do? It's live theater. And that is yeah. not an easy role, my friend. Well, no, I mean, it's exhausting and it's mostly the talking. It's not even the singing so much. Right. right. You know, it's all the, the barking and talking, you know, screaming and shouting, and the heightened. Yeah. To go back to the original question, I didn't really, I'm sorry, I didn't necessarily mean when you were feeling ill, but I'm just saying like, anything in your career like i i don't like like i'm imagining oh, oh. like what was going like before your like the tony performance for something rotten because like when i have to perform on the tonys i don't know what i'm gonna do well i mean uh, but you know i've always felt i mean look i love what i do i'm yeah. so grateful that i get to do it so I feel like in those moments when I'm going to question, I mean, what am I questioning? I've done, you know, that was the Tony. Yes, it was the Tony. Yeah. Yes, it was, you know, all anything, opening night, this, that. The first time I went on for Nathan as Max, the first time coming from behind that, you know, the Schubert doors there on the set. I was like, yeah. I worry about how, I'm, you know, I can't, I just have to go out and be the star of the high school musical today or whatever it was that got me through that in that way. But, um, I've never really questioned, uh, you know, you're in the moment, right? And so yeah. I, I've, I, I, no, I think I feel, I feel solid enough about what I do and, you know, and, and, uh, that, you know, you have to just sort of forge on through. And, and so, yeah, I mean, yes, it's overwhelming. You know, I'll never forget that moment before, cause, uh, Brian Darcy James and I were behind a big, you know, light board, whatever. I don't know what was in front of us. I'm not sure what the audience was seeing. It was the very top of the show. So whatever it was, it was in front of us. And it went up and we started bantering and we did the number, a musical. And, right, right. You know, I'll never forget that moment with Brian. But honestly, it was one of mostly sort of joy and unbelievable, like, what? Am, th th there's Brian and Darcy James and here I am and we're about to perform the opening number on the Tony Awards. And, yeah. you know. I mean, I couldn't feel, you know, luckier or more blessed, but, yeah. you know, I'm sure you're anxious or whatever, but I mean, it's just all part of the thing. And then you just keep moving forward and do it and tell the story and look at Brian and, you know, just move forward. 
<laughs> yep, just do yeah. the job. Say the yeah. word. Yeah. Now, we, we have to start to wrap up, but I do have one question because you mentioned it, you know, you kind of alluded to it before that, you know, you're ever-changing and always, you know, excited for the next thing. What are some of your dream things to achieve in your career? Like, what 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 are some things that you're, like, dying to do? Wow. Well, right now I'm dying to do Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical. Oh, bubble. You know, which will be back. And so that's the next thing on my, and right now, really, yeah, you ask, my God, that's at the top of my list because we are, you know, we were so, we're so ready to go and we were, you know, we'd done three previews and it was just the worst time in the world. Well, for all of us, but you know, to to have it ripped from us right then, the most exciting time, everything is possible. No critics yet. Rachel York, um, Rachel York texted me the night before the shows shut down and was like, I have an extra ticket to Mrs. Doubtfire tonight. Do you want to come with me? And yeah. I was like, I think so. Cause I wasn't feeling well at this moment. Uh, and yeah. I was like, I, I really do want to go. But I was like, I don't, you know, like you said, Petri dish. So. Yeah, no, no, please, please. So, you know, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I would love to, as far as like, you know, dream roles or whatever, things like that. Um, at some point, I would love to get a shot at doing Lacage. You know, uh, I think the show I love, and I've never done it, and I, um, I would actually love my dream thing is to do a Lacage with another actor. I'm not sure who it would be, and we alternate roles nightly. Oh, that be fun to do a Lacage where you could play both George and Albin. I think that would be so cool. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, so I would love to do that, um, but I would also. But if I have to choose one, of course, I want to play all back. So yeah, but um, but well, no, we have to think know, about who that's going to be. Yeah, I don't. I have to think about. I've thought about it, but I haven't thought that specifically. Yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking of Norm Lewis coming to mind. <laughs> I don't know why. No, dear Norm. <laughs> like I don't know why I just like that came to mind like immediately I just I'm getting I'm being tickled right. from that right as opposed to That's, Brooke where we would just spontaneously combust probably the two you know it, it would be too much perhaps oh my god talking about yes you would catch right. on fire and uh, that would be yeah turn. that would be fun right a gay true west if you will um, oh that's hysterical yeah. yeah but you know I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, well, right. can, when you do it, I'll be there front row. All right. All right. God willing. Kalahara, let's come back and do this. Oy. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I love that. It, I love that you're just giving me all the Yiddish. It makes me very I'm happy. Gonna, I'm trying to get it all in before we go. Trying to get do it all we, in. Oh, another good thing to come of this, you'll appreciate this. Tell darling. me. Tell me. Tell me. Darling. Darling. darling, that, darling. That, uh, when we were up in quarantine upstate, darling, uh-huh. I made for the first time by myself. I made my mother's chicken soup, which again, very huh? traditional, but I'd never Schmaltz. fully made it myself. It was delicious. Um, and her brisket with potatoes and carrots. Again, uh. no great. Not that it's hard to make, but I'd never, you know, really done it by myself. And and it was, you know, again, you talk about tasting like home and being home again, those two things. So uh did you do so um, you something good is coming up? Did you yeah. do, one one thing that first of all um, I love that you said home again, which reminds that there's a Frank Wildhorn connection there. That's like home no. again is a, is Sorry. a cut song from the Scarlet Pimpernel, I believe. I know. Well, I was, I did all the readings of Pimpernel cause I was doing did Jekyll. You really? Yeah. I did That's a lot of my... readings. I didn't do Pimpernel cause I was doing Jekyll, but yes, but I Pimpernel. did a lot of 
piece. Yeah. I, I, I'm off book for Pimpernel. I'm obsessed oh, really? with it. I think it's a great oh, score. Yeah. I think you wrote a really good score for Pimpernel. You know, you know what song I'm obsessed with the most, I think, is and it's like, what are you talking about? Is Vive. It's track four in the cast album. Please, you don't have to tell me. I think it's a gorgeous melody. That's hilarious. You I, should say that. I love Vive. I think it is a I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful and the orchestrations are amazing. And yeah. I was I, I've always been obsessed with Scarlet Pimpernel, but um but when I was living in London, I was listening to Pimpernel a lot. So now when I think of Pimpernel, I think of my amazing oh, times in London and going right, to France right. and stuff like that. Exactly. Um but so for your chicken soup, did you add schmaltz? I mean, no, you skim most of the schmaltz. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. As far as that goes, don't yeah. you have to? Don't you have to add it and then you take it out? Though, look, everybody's mother is, you know, I, no. <laughs> I mean, basically, you put the whole chicken in there with the water and the carrots and the celery, and you let it just sit there for hours. And then you take stuff out, and uh, you got soup pretty much. Look, if you were to, if you were telling my boyfriend this, he would say, "Stop yelling at me!" But I know that you're just passionate <laughs> exactly. about it. Um. <laughs> Brad, Oscar, this is amazing. You're you're a mensch. You're perfect. Um, <laughs> Never change. But a pleasure. I can't wait to see you when this is done. Uh, and you as well, my friend. You as well. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, to listening to Dear Multi-Hyphenate. You can find me on Instagram at the Michael Kushner, or, you know, this podcast has a... Every time I have a fellow Jew on on my um, on my episode, I start speak I start speaking with my Yiddish accent again. I uh, you can follow Dear Multi Hyphen on Instagram and the Dressing Room Project to see all my backstage photography. And I'll see you every Thursday live at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Broadway Podcast Network for my Broadway memory. Be safe, be well, wear a mask, listen to cast albums, keep theater alive. Love you all. Bye. This podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project, or on Twitter at mkushnerphoto, and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dear multi hyphenate. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.